0: state-based, we're a state-based gun violence prevention organization, and I want to talk about, what I want to talk about is, I want to talk about joy, actually, is what I want to talk about today, and we know, we know as women, we know That violence is so often perpetrated and women are there to pick up the pieces. Women are there to feel the impact. Women are there, you know, we started as a, talking about Ukraine and men in war rooms are making war and it's women who are figuring out how to flee and get children into safety. It's it's women who are creating community. It's women who are providing medical care and providing um, maternal care, providing cooking, cleaning, trying to just hold it together in the most dire of circumstances. And while that's happening on an international stage in Ukraine, all around the world, that happens right here in Nebraska. We know with the recent pandemic that we're still living through, women by and large were called upon to teach children. At home, women were by and large required to figure out how are we gonna balance? We're very afraid of what's happening in society. Maybe we're afraid of people in our own homes. Now we can't get out of our homes and how are we gonna live through this? Um, You know, right now in the Nebraska State Legislature, in response to violence, what the legis which we know we know gun violence is one of the mechanisms for violence against women, against families, against um, people that identify of all genders. Right? We know that firearms play an important role in that in perpetuating that violence. And in our own state government, the response to that violence is. Let's make it easier for people to have guns in the public square, right? Like this is our response to violence by predominantly male spaces, okay? And we know that. And it's not new information. We're not gonna solve that today, right? We can't solve that today. This, but well, what I've really been digging into in the face of a million reasons not to I've been thinking about how to have more joy. <laughs> I've been thinking about how to radically have joy because um, while the work is hard and the work is harrowing, um, what, what, what I can do is I can have joy. Really, I've literally been listening to this song and I wanted to talk to you all about it. It's called This Joy and it's by the Resistance Revival Chorus and the Resistance Revival Chorus is a collective of more than 70 women and non-binary singers Um, and they just released this album maybe in October of last year and this song is awesome I mean I was just singing just a little verse and it's one of those where it repeats and so it starts with this joy then this strength this love you know this pride this peace and it goes back to joy So here's how the song goes, it goes, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it, the world can't take it away. And it just keeps going, strength, love, pride, peace, and and you know, like I don't want to be the bearer of bad news here, but like the violence is going to continue. Um, these are problems we are always going to have to actively work together and solve. And as women, we are especially at the front lines of the care. Um, you know, until something big changes, we're not dominating positions of power. We're not dominating legislatures. We're not dominating international stages, but we are dominating places of care, places of peace, places of worship. We absolutely dominate those places. And um, and that's just how I'm thinking about this. And I'll give you a little example to kind of round out my thesis here. My children have been really, I have a nine-year-old and a four-year-old, the nine-year-old would like a cup of coffee in the morning. He's just decided to so really gonna like set his day up right. And you know. Whatever, like the world is hard. If you want a cup of coffee,
1: have a cup of coffee.
0: <laughs> so I got a little espresso machine and a little milk frother and we're taking some time in the morning to like have a cup of coffee together. And it, it's starting both of our days on the right step. And then the four-year-old keeps having a cup of tea. And I taught him how to use the French press. And he likes to push the little knob down. And his dad went to make him a cup of tea this morning. And he explained to his father that he will have his tea in a French press, And it's a little more work and it takes a little more time. And you know what? That joy is worth it. That extra time and community is worth it. And the world is really hard. The world's really hard. And that's probably not gonna change for a really long time. But what we can do, what we can all do, and what I encourage everybody to do It's just find those moments that you can create joy and just just be radical about it and be selfish about it and just take every moment that is possible because um, the world can't take everything away. And that is um, my message to everyone this morning. And we just, we need to build community And we need to carve out joy for ourselves, for our friends, for our families in every which way and space that we can. So thank you for coming to the Women's March this morning. And I am overjoyed to be here with the most powerful slate imaginable in Lincoln, Nebraska. And uh, I can't wait to hear everybody else's stories this morning or this afternoon rather.
2: Muted. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Melody. And what I was stating was, Melody is a fierce advocate. She's a fierce activist. She's a mother. And she does all that and work and care about the community of Lincoln, Nebraska, and enforcing Um, those values, those things that are important to her regarding gun violence. So, Melody, thank you so much. She came aboard and asked to be a part of this year's um, Lincoln Women's March. We are so thrilled to have her. She stands up for Black women, and I want to say that um, even in her group and on her Facebook page. And not everyone does. We have a lot of people that say that they are um, advocates of black women, but do not always show it. But Melody is true to form and she has been so encouraging to black women. So Melody, thank you so much. And we're gonna move right along. Is Lee available? If not, we're gonna go right along. We're gonna go ahead and so I'll turn it over to Hollis. Good morning, everyone. Um, Our
3: next presenter is a dynamic future forward attorney. Scout Richter lives in Lincoln, Nebraska, where she has provided legal and policy counsel for almost five years to the ACLU, whose mission is to defend and preserve the individual rights and liberties guaranteed to everyone in this country by the Constitution of the United States. Scout graduated from UNL in 2011 with a BSN in journalism. She then earned her Juris Doctorate in 2014 from Brooklyn Law School, where she also clerked at the National ACLU Women's Rights Project. Since then, she has cemented her role as an advocate in many aspects, such as defending Nebraskans' rights to make their own healthcare decisions, protecting women's rights, including the underprivileged, promoting gender equity, and reproductive freedom. She is also about empowering others to know their rights, providing representation, education, and a commitment to advocate before the uh, Nebraska legislature for causes that make a powerful, positive impact in people's lives. She is action-oriented against injustices. And one such example among many being um, her leadership campaign in the ACLU to end juvenile solitary confinement. Without further ado, please help me welcome Scott Richter.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Um, I'm so honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Scott Richters. I'm legal and policy counsel at the ACLU of Nebraska. And I'm gonna start with something that shouldn't be controversial. People should be able to control their own bodies, their own lives and their own futures. Last month, many of you here today um, stood alongside us as we flooded the halls of of Nebraska State Capitol and testified to demand that our elected leaders protect abortion access for all Nebraskans. I want to ground us by saying that abortion is health care. Everyone who needs access to abortion should be able to access that care. And also, I want to say that abortion access can be a critical lifeline for survivors of sexual and domestic violence. Now, it's no secret that a person's right to access abortion care um, when they need it is under threat. Um, We know that the Supreme Court is considering overturning Roe v. Wade, and we have seen Elected leaders from across the country propose legislation after piece of legislation that would further restrict and, in some cases, entirely eliminate abortion access. Um, And here in Nebraska, it's much of the same. State senators are trying to push through extreme bans um, that would outlaw abortion before Nebraskans even know they're pregnant. And two of those those bills are among the most restrictive in, in the entire country. But I do want to be clear that an abortion ban in Nebraska is not a foregone conclusion, regardless of what happens at the Supreme Court. So if these, if these state bans don't pass, we can keep abortion safe and legal here in Nebraska. And that's why we have been, um, and you all have been laser focused on stopping these bills in the Unicameral this session. We showed up in record numbers at the Capitol to testify in opposition to these bans last month. Um, as I mentioned, advocates and individuals from all different perspectives spoke out against these bans. Um, from people who have had abortions to medical providers to um, Texas abortion staff that have been on the front lines. And and we've heard from organizations working to combat child abuse and domestic and sexual violence who broke from their typical practice to oppose these bans because we know that bans on abortion hurt survivors. Um, And our work must continue um, in particular, LB 933 um, is the so-called trigger bill that would ban abortion if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade. Um, and that bill did not advance from committee, but there has been a pull motion um, forcing it to um, be debated on the legis- legislative floor, and that will be voted on um, and, and debated likely next week. And so that's why Right now, it is so crucial that we keep up what we have been doing all along. Um, We need to keep flooding the inboxes of state senators. We need to keep outworking the opponents, keep outnumbering them, and we need to stop the ban. So I'm going to see if my um, technology um, acumen allows me to put a link in the chat, um, but a link in the chat to send a message to your state senator right here, right now, um, to keep keep urging state senators to stop the bans and start respecting our rights. Um, They need to understand that these decisions belong to Nebraskans, not politicians, and they need to place their trust in Nebraskans, not insert their personal beliefs into our, our lives. So we, we need to continue to support legislation and leaders that aim to remove unnecessary restrictions to abortion care and reproductive care to further reproductive rights and access for all Nebraskans. So the, the fight is far from over. So please continue to contact your senators and, they, and demand that they stand up for abortion access in Nebraska and, and stop the bans. Thank you again uh, so much. I am so honored to be here and I really appreciate it.
2: I forget to keep unmuting myself. Thank you so much, Scout, for that awesome um, uh, talk on um, how women um, can get involved and the resources that are available. Um, Thank you so so much. And right now we'll go to Andrea Evans, who is also a member of the Lincoln Women's March. Andrea.
4: Thank you. Um, Thank you for having me um, to come and share an original piece. Um, I get to shine my ways with words. Um, When I was younger, um, I saw myself as a rapper, (laughs) Um, but I do love poetry. And so I'm very thankful to be asked today to share a poem that I wrote. I want you all to know I stand in solidarity with my sister warrior women against violence. The name of the poem is I am a, War- a woman warrior by Andrea Evans, it is dedicated to the Lincoln women's march 2022 this year's theme violence against women gun violence, thank you to Hollis Ramsey for the inspiration. I am a warrior woman. Not the violence against me i'm not weak. Meek nor inferior. I'm strong, beautiful, and free. I am a mother, I am mother earth and superior, more than the eye can see, birthing seven for our future, teaching love, survival, and peace. I am a woman warrior victory radiating from head to feet. Not just a survivor, yet a victor, won't succumb to violence nor defeat. Graceful in strength of a lotus flower, rising above it all like a beautiful queen, rolling like the vicious roar of thunder, yet planting beautiful, and prosperous seeds. I am a woman warrior, and violence is not my governor. Pain is not where I shall retreat. From the ashes I exceed, a phoenix rising. I am a woman warrior. My scars of violence don't define me. I am intensely divine and powerful to violence against we, I say, capiche. release, and stand supreme. Thank you.
3: That was really powerful, Andrea. Very, very touching. Um, you know, it brought tears to my eyes, actually, just thinking about how, We as women have to prove ourselves in the workplace, you know, everywhere we go, we have to fight for equality. Um, But what your poem said was never give up, never give in. And we're gonna continue to stand strong. We're the ones that birth our children. We're the ones that continue this universe and we're the ones that will continue to shine every day. Thank you so much for sharing um, your wonderful poem, truly enjoyable. Okay, so um, we're gonna move on with um, our next presenter, and she is Adele Burke. Adele graduated from UNL in 2012 with a double major in history, and Women and Gender Studies, and a minor in Political Science. Since then, she's been busy making a difference in many communities. She is currently the Senior Manager of Public Affairs for Planned Parenthood, North Central States, Lincoln, Nebraska, but has also served as a Regional Organizer and Community community Outreach Coordinator for Planned Parenthood. Her portfolio is really noteworthy. Um, It includes volunteer management, event planning, grassroots organizing, public policy, nonprofit administration, being a board member on NeighborWorks Lincoln. She was also a deputy deputy campaign manager and policy aide to our current mayor Larianne Gayla Beard from 2019 to 2021. I can go on and on and on about Adele's accomplishments, because there's so much more to her resume. Please help me welcome this dynamic and passionate community leader, Adele Burke.
5: Thank you so much, Hollis. Um, That's incredibly kind and generous of you. Um, And I also wanted to say, um, Andrea, your poem was beautiful and powerful and it's um, hard to follow up on that, (laughs) but um, I'll give it a go. Um, So thanks again for letting me share a few words today. Um, I am here with Planned Parenthood in Nebraska and I'm proud to be here in solidarity with so many strong advocates um, here on the screen and out there in the world. Um, in our community, um, and as Scott shared, um, politicians are waging an all-out assault um, on abortion rights and our healthcare access in Nebraska, um, but I want to repeat one important thing from what Scott shared, because I've talked to a lot of people recently who I don't think fully realize what's at stake here, um, if this bill LB ninety three nine thirty three passes and Roe v Wade is overturned, then abortion will become completely illegal in Nebraska. And I want to emphasize that the people who will be hurt most by this law are the same people who have already had the hardest time accessing abortion and healthcare: people experiencing poverty, rural Nebraskans, people of color, especially. Black women, indigenous women, and Latinas, LGBT communities, people with disabilities. And these are the groups that already have the least access to health care because of systemic racism and discrimination and economic injustice. But I also want to be clear um, that if abortion becomes illegal in Nebraska, our politicians have failed survivors of domestic and sexual violence, too. Um, Community members who have experienced sexual and reproductive coercion are especially at risk for unintended pregnancy because of sexual and reproductive coercion um, of birth control. And their ability to make their own deeply personal decisions, their decisions about whether and when to become a parent, are threatened by extreme bills like this one. But none of those things matter to politicians in our state who are obsessed with banning abortion. 49 senators, mostly white men, will decide what happens to our bodies, our rights, and our futures. We can't allow those extremists to strip Nebraskans of our right to a safe legal abortion. But the good news and leaning into joy, like Melody said, is that I'm confident we can win this fight. We are a community of fierce advocates, and this is the time for our fiercest advocacy. So I'm asking you to take action Um, And I know you already have, Um, but continue to call your Senator, then ask five of your friends to call their senators, write postcards, show up at the Capitol if you can. Um, And then on social media, follow organizations like Planned Parenthood Advocates of Nebraska and our coalition partners like ACLU of Nebraska, IB Black Girl uh, in Omaha and Women's Fund of Omaha, as well as YWCA of Lincoln. Um, Follow these groups for up-to-the-minute updates on how to take action. I also want to encourage you to make a donation, if you can, to our local abortion fund, Nebraska Abortion Resources, which provides grants to Nebraskans who are unable to afford um, travel and medical costs in order to receive an abortion. Together, I know that we can protect access to safe legal abortion and critical health care in Nebraska. Thank you for being together with me and our community in this fight. Um, and yeah, I'll turn it back over to Jada. Thank you, Adele. Thank you,
2: Adele. Now we have a very special guest, Deb Flowers with Voices of Hope. Voices of Hope has been a vital part of our community for over 40 years. Voices of Hope provides 24 hours a day, crisis intervention and advocacy services to all genders who are victims of domestic violence, sexual assault, stalking and sex trafficking. These services include safety planning, assistance filing out, filling out rather, uh, protection orders, weekly support group, campus advocacy, bilingual and cultural support, limited financial assistance, basic needs, uh, referrals to other community resources. Advocates also provide trauma-informed supportive services during ER hospital accompaniment, investigations and court proceedings. All services are free and confidential. I know because I went through Voices of Hope and I can't say enough about that organization. They helped me tremendously. Um, Me personally, my self-esteem, my courage to stand back up um, and getting a protection order. Um, They do everything that I stated here and some. So please help me welcome Deb.
6: Thank you very much. I so appreciate uh, everything that everyone does and I'm just so humbled to be a part of this group and to be amongst such powerful women in our community. I think it just speaks to our community and that we can get this work done and that we can do it. Um, I just wanted to tell you a little bit about myself. I've been doing this work for a little over 30 years and I have really learned from the strength embodied in the women that I served in my work as a crisis advocate, a case manager, a group facilitator, a housing advocate, and a criminal justice victim advocate. Uh, in addition to my professional role as an educating, education training coordinator at Voices of Hope, I also serve on the Family Violence Council Board and on the United Way Speakers Bureau. And I received my bachelor's of social work at Union College. So I just really, again, thank you very much for um, allowing me to be here and inviting me amongst this amazing group of women that I have learned a lot from in my years past. Um, So basically what I want to share with you today is that uh, Voices of Hope is here. So consider this, a woman who was strangled and battered seeks medical care in the emergency room. A college student who was sexually assaulted after a party calls the crisis line. A woman and her children work with an advocate planning a safety plan to flee a violent situation. All three of these women suffered from violence against against them by the hands of someone that they loved, trusted and cared deeply about. I think that's what's so profound about this work is sometimes it would be easier if we did not care about the perpetrators but we are betrayed and we are um, abused by people that we really care about. So what is violence against women? So let's just talk about that. It means an act of gender-based violence that results in, or is likely to result in physical, sexual, or psychological harm or suffering to women. It includes an is not limited to threats of such acts or coercion. So, you know, in ancient history, it's there. Violence against women is evident. One study states that scientists studied massive skull fractures in mummies two to 3,000 years old. And from those skulls that were studied, 30 to 50% of the skulls fractured were women. Only nine to 20% of the skulls fractured were men. This is according to an article from Cultural Anthropology that studied uh, on the history of wife beating. So what does violence against women cost? It costs our community a lot. Battering accounts for one fifth of all medical visits by women and one third of all ER visits per year. There is a loss of work for women who are at the hands of their abusers because they don't want to show up to work after a violent episode. There is, it is the number one cause of death for black women ages 15 to 35. 51.3% of black adult women homicide is related to intimate partner violence. Also, 44% of lesbian women experience rape, physical violence, and or stalking by their intimate partners. In 2021, LPD responded to 265 rapes. It is in our community and it is in our homes. So, most common characteristics of an abuser obviously, there's a, je- a jealousy, a possessiveness that is there. There's a quick involvement, moving quickly to intimate relationships, isolation, to keeping her away from family or friends or limiting who, where, and who she can talk to. Uh, rigid sex roles like there's specific things that only women can do and only men can do which also leads to that isolation. Minimizing, denying, and blaming. Abusers are very good at not taking accountability for what they do. So what can be done? You know, it seems almost hopeless, but you can help. You can. Believe and validate a survivor's feelings and let them know They are their own person and they can make their own decisions. You can stop victim blaming. It's so interesting, isn't it, that one of the most popular crimes, this violence against women, is the one that has a lot more victim blaming than other crimes. Think about a bank robbery, for example. I mean, literally, would you, would anybody tell the bank rock, tell the banker, You had so much money in your bank. Why did you have so much money in your bank? This wouldn't have happened to you if you didn't have those posters out front flaunting your interest rates to everyone. I mean, literally this never happens. Why do we have so much victim blaming in this issue? You can offer support to a victim. You can keep it confidential. This really does make the survivor's safety at risk if the confidentiality is not there. You can make a safety plan for the next time something happens. Let her know help is available. And then there are the three Ds. Everyone can know about being a bystander. It's very important to remember these three things that you can do. You can directly intervene, stopping the violence from happening right there and then. The next D is distract. This actually works as a way to deescalate the situation. You can ask the perpetrator to use their phone. You can ask them questions, whatever it is that you can do to distract. You can also delegate to trusted professionals. We have a lot of wonderful professionals in our community, some of which are excellent agencies represented right here. You can trust Lincoln Police Department. You can trust Voices of Hope. We are great agencies to refer as professionals. So just a little bit about what Voices of Hope does. You heard that in Janet's wonderful introduction. I think we do have an amazing 24-hour free crisis line. That is the best thing that one can do is refer somebody to call and talk to a trained, educated staff person. We provide crisis intervention. We support survivors to meet their immediate and physical and emotional safety needs, and we help them find a voice within the system. We all know when a survivor steps forward, and makes a report, there is a huge system ahead of her and she can get that support by contacting us at Voices of Hope. We also have free walk-in hours where we provide safety planning. Even if someone is not ready to leave yet, it's really important and a good idea to have that plan so that a plan can be in place when needed. A protection order might be part of that safety plan. We provide help with protection orders and provide trauma-informed care during the legal proceedings. We also help educate and process with survivors. I think that's some of the best healing that happens is in our rooms at Voices of Hope where we can process what happened and learn and grow and heal from that. We provide many services and resources, basic needs, diapers, financial limited, but limited financial assistance when available. We provide referrals to shelters, attorneys, counselors, cultural centers, and other partners around our agency. We provide hospital advocacy during SANE exams and during domestic violence exams. We provide campus advocacy, with Title IX support. We also provide bilingual and cultural support every day. And we make it super easy to use interpreters and get the help you need. We support survivors in the child welfare system with juvenile court and team meetings. We also provide groups and classes where someone can find safety, confidentiality, and provide and find the support that they need to heal. Voices of Hope also has professional trainers that are available to speak to these issues. So what else can you do, you're thinking? Of course, we've talked about some of these things before, but still use social media. It can be one of the biggest helps out there in the community. Go to every site you can that is supportive of these issues. Like, share, repost as much as you can. Visit Voices of Hope website. You can personally sign up to be a part of our bull and raise funds for our survivors. You can volunteer. You can donate right through the website at Voices of Hope. You can also d- provide a drive for basic needs items. So, I just in closing here, want you to think for just a moment about one little tiny mosquito. Yes, a mosquito is the tiniest little thing that you can even almost imagine. But think about it for a moment. If you think you are too small to be effective in these issues, to fight in these issues, then you've never been in bed with one mosquito. It just takes one mosquito to keep you up all night. So thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me here. And thank you for being here and showing up and supporting these issues.
3: Thank you very much, Deb. That was so inspiring. The work that Voices of Hope is doing in our community. you know, it lets women know that we're not alone. And just the way, you know, you walk somebody that has suffered uh, violence um, and they're in a position where they're not strong, you know, they feel like they have no resources, they don't know where to turn and they come to your organization and you are able to put these women back on their feet, put them in touch with services, build them up, help them develop a safety plan, let them know that they're worthy and worth it and um, get them going again and get them away from the person that's violating them and let them realize that, you know, they don't have to be in that situation and they can get their lives back together, stand on their own feet, get a job, you know, understand their strength. So thank you so much for all the hard work and I wish everyone and every woman could find out about your program and all the wonderful things that you're doing in our community to keep women safe. Um, So thank you again, Deb. Uh, We do have a bunch of resources and I believe Hannah will put those up on the screen that um, women can benefit from, families can benefit from, um, like Voices of Hope. We heard all about the wonderful things. We have like the um, YWCA. Um, We can Google um, some of these uh, partnerships that are happening here in Nebraska to help women and to help families. So once again, thank you.
2: I would just like to piggyback just for a moment, give me a moment, please. As Deb was speaking, the tears were flowing. And for more than one reason, yes, I am a survivor of domestic violence. And um, I I know Deb. I think she remembers me as well. I didn't know, I didn't realize the last name when we were putting things together. I, I just, the last name didn't click until I saw her today. And um, it just, brought back what you saw today in her speaking passionately about what she does and Voices of Hope. She did that to me personally because she was my case manager at another woman's organization. And I remember you had to meet with your your case manager every so often. And I remember meeting with Deb one time and more than once, but the one time I met with her and I was so Uh, downtrodden, and I was so weepy, and I was crying. I remember her speaking, and I don't know if she remembers speaking to me, but she said, Janet, I see you standing up before people. I see you standing up speaking and talking to people, and as I wept, she just continued to pour into my life, so what you heard here is what she does do personally, and I can say that even me in this position that I'm in right now with the Lincoln's Women's March, it's one of the things that she didn't even realize she was speaking into my life. And so Deb, I just wanna say thank you. Thank you so much. You helped me find my voice again. Thank you. So with that being said, now it is my honor to introduce our keynote speaker, Amber Goodwin. As the founder of the Community Justice Action Fund, Amber is changing the conversation on gun violence prevention by leading with the people closest to the pain of everyday gun violence. Community Justice Action Fund has developed a comprehensive, holistic, and grassroots policy framework work to build the community and transform the narrative on gun violence, the causes and the solutions. Amber couldn't be here in person with us today. So a big shout out, a big shout out to to Melody for recording this conversation for us.
6: Hi, Amber.
7: Welcome to Lincoln. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be
0: here. Well, virtually anyway, can you tell us who you are and um, just a little bit about yourself, where you live, that kind of thing?
7: Yeah. Uh, My name is Amber Goodwin. I am from Midland, Texas, and I live in Texas now, but I've lived all over the world. And I call myself a serial organizer because I spent the last almost 21 years working on social justice issues across the country and even the world and so super excited to to be here with you
0: today. Well, I am thrilled and I want everyone in Nebraska and specifically here at our Lincoln Women's March to meet you and really be inspired by you because I think you have lived this incredible life of advocacy and you've made really big movements. So I would love it if you would talk to me about, you have had a lot of experience in the gun violence prevention movement, violence prevention in general, violence against women, right, kind of chop it up any different ways. Mm -hmm. And you ended up founding your own organization. Can you talk about kind of what led you to do that? And then just how did you do it? And then how did you turn it into an organization that you could pass on for other people to keep running, which is really hard for founders to do.
7: Yeah, I mean, first, I just wanna thank you for asking me to be here. It's, I'm really just inspired by the work that you're doing and also everyone who's going to you know, be there today. It's just on a Saturday, I know there's so many other things that people can be doing and so it just warms my heart knowing that there are so many good-hearted people who are making sure that our world is better. Um, I started working on gun violence um, almost a decade ago. I started originally started working on gun violence, working for one of my heroes to this day, uh, Congresswoman Gabby Giffords. And I had an incredible, I learned so much getting to work with her, going across the country, working on issues like domestic violence, um, background checks. And I'll never forget, I guess it's been about six or seven years now, but I'll never forget, it was the summer, time and i heard about a shooting that happened in south carolina and it was the shooting that happened at mother emmanuel church in charleston Mm -hmm. and i'll never forget as a gun violence advocate as you are and as someone you know my myself i kind of had the honor and privilege of not being directly impacted by violence that or by gun violence that it just struck a chord with me that there were black people people who look like me a lot of my family is from south carolina Um, that were impacted by the shooting. And I started thinking differently about the policies, how policy impact people of color, how they impact those that are disproportionately or disparately impacted, which women, uh, people of color are just so much more than any other group. And so kind of went around the country with a lot of incredible organizers um, and incredible women, incredible people, leaders, other people from all across the country, um, and asked people on the ground, people that were survivors and people close to the pain of gun violence every day, just said, what is it that would make the most sense to be helpful? There are so many other incredible organizations that already exist. And so is there any any gap? Is there anything that's missing? And we just heard across the board that people really wanted to have a home uh, to build power for for black folks, for people of color, for people who were impacted by gun violence, uh, and so you know, I I tried to convince other people to start the organization, and then, um, like the good organizer that I that I I tried to be, I organized myself into a job, and so um, it was really hard. As anyone who's a founder of an organization, I had uh, the you know it was it, it was difficult financially, it was difficult mentally, it was difficult physically, uh, but it was the most rewarding thing I've ever done. It was such an honor to be a part um, of, you know, what ended up being an organization that, you know, started a lot of policies across the country. And I think what has been most exciting in the gun violence prevention movement is, you've seen this shift um, that was not just because, you know, some, you know, no offense to lawyers, because I'm going to be one, but like, no like nerdy ner- like lawyer in DC, which I'm a nerd, <laughs> but no lawyer in DC was like, this is what the policies should be and everyone in Nebraska and Texas and everywhere else just needs to follow what I said. It was really the grassroots organizers and the people like all of you that were doing the work that demanded change and said, we're not just going to talk about background checks, we're going to talk about background checks and permitless carry, and we're going to talk about domestic violence and we're going to talk about suicides and we're gonna talk about how this is all intersectional. And so it's just been incredible to see um, how the learning curve of what gun violence is and isn't has changed in the media and on the ground in so many different places. And I think what has always inspired me is um, the survivors and the people on the ground who are continuing to do this work. and. It will never leave them. Um, all the people who either have lost a loved one or themselves have been shot, and um, so that's why I'm just privileged to get to do the work that I do um, uh, around gun violence, and and really just have been really blessed over the last six years to be, or last six years I um, I ran the Gun Violence Prevention Organization, and then uh, before that working for for uh, Gabby Gifford. So yeah.
0: So you have worked with in your all kinds of hats that you've worn including when you worked for the presidential transition of the current president of the united states which is so huge and i just want to brag about you that you did that um and you've talked to organizations big and small uh many many state-based organizations yes what are some trends that you have seen as an organizer, as um, kind of a grass top, like a leader of a state-based organization or a leader of a city organization, that kind of, what's working? What are people doing around the country that you think is working?
7: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that I've seen that's been incredible is, you know, people looking to data, which I know that sounds like very easy to say, but people using data evidence to say what is what we've been doing maybe isn't working maybe we need to think a little bit differently and being innovative in their approaches and what i've seen especially in state legislator legislatures both good and bad is um, legislatures really just finding a law that works and passing it in a state and then moving to the next state and passing it in the next state and then moving it to the next state and literally just saying copy paste this is working in this state we're going to move on I think an example of that that's been really challenging and really I think impacting in a bad way to people of color and to just people in general is something like um ground laws that was something that you know was started and it started in a state legislature and it just has been moved and moved and moved and moved so there's been a lot of incredible work in places across the country um, including there's a lot of work done in Ohio and other places Georgia other places across the country over the last decade to make sure that those types of bills were stopped. But on the other side, there's been incredible bills like community-based violence intervention bills that were modeled off of like the California's and the um, uh, New Jersey's and the Connecticut's that are now getting passed across the country. And so there's been a lot of work where people are like, we know what works, let's just keep doing that. And what's not working, let's let's stop doing that. And so. I've also seen, you know, locally just so many young people, and it's so bizarre to me because when I'm working with young people and they're running for office, I'm like, "Oh, I, um, you were born in the 2000s and you can run for office," <laughs> and so it is incredible though because I'm like, I need to move out of the way. It's 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 so great to see so many young people, and so I've seen a lot more um, either. Statewide organizations that are working on social justice issues doing a lot more training, which has been incredible. You've seen it. You know, the Women's March has done incredible trainings since the existence statewide and nationally, and so many other women-led organizations, whether it's about um, you know abortion rights or things like that. There's just been so many different uh, trainings, but also leadership developments. So we're really developing new leaders uh, that can really take on uh, leadership with, within institutions, because I think it's so important, as you mentioned, to make sure that a younger generation is um, is taking over, just like, you know, the organization that I founded, um, the person that took over, you know, is younger than me, but also not that, not by that much, but um, he has definitely has a different experience and is a survivor of gun violence. And so I think really the people who are directly impacted by issues, um, and a lot of times that's women, a lot of times that's you know people of color, um, getting in leadership positions is, is just been incredible to watch. And we see it in the United States Congress, we see it in you know, people running for mayor, but the young people are also doing incredible work as well. So I just keep seeing so many younger and younger people running for office, but also leadership development programs and trainings like um, one of my friends runs an organization called Repower. They're doing trainings all over the country um, and specifically working and targeting uh, people of color, but also just people in general who want to get activated in their local community, whether you're an activist, whether you're running for office, whether you want to um, work on campaigns. And so there's just so many different ways to get trained up and, and to make a difference now.
0: So one thing I've noticed is that maybe I'm projecting, maybe this is just my life, but I think a lot of us feel uh, a little bit disconnected. And a lot of the things that we built up to two years ago, they've now really disintegrated. Mm-hmm. A lot of our tapestries have holes in them. Right. As people are kind of coming out this summer and moving back into their communities and hanging out and having parties and having book clubs, when it comes to organizing, what are, What are some things you think people could do to help spur growth, especially in younger groups, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because they've come of age in the last two years and they want, you know, they want and they need to hear what elders have to say and elders need to invest in youth, right? So how can we kind of move that cycle forward as we're coming out of this pandemic haze?
7: Yeah, I, I think one of their great equalizers is social media and finding ways to come together on social media. But before I say that, I will say the most important thing I can say today, and I just will continue to say is as people are coming out more um, during this time of COVID, which still exists obviously, but that people are coming out more. I think the most important people thing people can do that are organizers that are care about social justice is care about the people who are closest to the issue and the pain of COVID. And, you know, I am an able-bodied person and I, um, you know, have some immune compromises, but people who are severely immune compromised, this is not, you know, this has not been an easy road at all. And so I think, especially as people who care about our communities, want to invest in our communities, one of the most important things we can do as as things are starting to open back up, is think about what would the, the person who is the most, you know, on the margins is the most immune compromised, are they gonna be able to be accessible to this meeting? Are they gonna be able to, you know, be a part of this movement that we're building? Are they gonna feel like they were a part of this? And so I think I would also just say from the very beginning, we've got to really think about how we make sure that when we, when things are opening back up, that it's, you know, a lot of people wanna get back to the office, a lot of people wanna get back out in the community, but it's still very, very hard for the people who um, are not able to do that because of so many different reasons because of COVID. Um, so I'll say that, but then also, you know, social media has been great. I got into TikTok. I am not in the age demographic that should be on TikTok. <laughs> I'm too old to be on TikTok, according to my little sister who is a millennial. And, um, but I I think that um, finding new ways, at, you know, I didn't think that a lot of people, you know, were still in, some Facebook groups and different things. I've just seen all these different things pop up because people really do enjoy, you know, one, obviously in real life, but people are really organizing online, which was such the beauty of, I think what we saw even before the pandemic started with the Women's March and with so many different other things is the the the, the um, genesis of all these different movements have been online. Like Black Lives Matter started with, you know, somebody talking about it online and all these different movements, very recently, obviously not back before social media existed, but so many of them have started, they will never be sustained just online. But so many of them started online um, with, you know, the ability to get with giving the people the ability to connect with people that they would maybe not be able to um, connect with any other way. And so it's been, I, I think, one of the ways, you know, the very tactical way um, is making things more accessible online for people so we can organize online. And when I say things will never like just be online, I just mean that like, we still need to have, you know, connections with people offline. Like not everything can just be a tweet. (laughs) There are other ways to organize as well. And so um, I think that there are, I've seen people actually organize to find people for, there's a whole movement on missing black women and girls that's happening on TikTok. Um, you know, there's a whole movement, that part of the movement is also uh, sold out, O'Brien just did this whole series of it um, on a documentary series. So there's different ways, vehicles that people are organizing online, whether it is a documentary, whether it is something on Netflix, whether it is something that, um, you know, is uh, just things that people are texting to each other, there's so many different ways to stay online. Uh, But I also think that um, what, what will, always be you know continue to be important and as an organized somebody who started out as an organizer is whether it's online or in person is just having those one-on-one meetings and doing like the grassroots grassroots organizing that i know you and everybody here knows how to do which is like the, it's the one-on-one meetings it's the consistency whenever i worked on the obama campaign we called it the the snowflake model of just making sure that you know every single part um every single organizing uh, every single part of our organizing was unique. Um, but that there was kind of, you know, that always that central focus of making sure that we were working in the community and organizing our community, uh, to empower themselves. And so I think there's, you know, people are just really excited, have found very, uh, interesting ways to connect over the last two years. And so I think that people will continue to do that because we need to, to make sure that people, it's still accessible. Social justice needs to be accessible to everybody, Um, but also figuring out ways to make sure that we're um, uh, connecting one-on-one. And again, I'll continue to say this, but looking at the people who are the most marginalized in our communities and making sure that we're uplifting their voices and seeing what it is that they need uh, in the social justice movement.
0: So you are wildly busy, and I'm just mm-hmm. so grateful that you have time for us in Lincoln. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you one final question. Yeah. Thinking back to the, to the Amber of 10 years ago, who was like, I'm just going to do this and make a difference. Mm-hmm. What would you say to that Amber, looking back, what advice would you give to her starting out that she didn't already know?
7: Oh, that is a great question. Um, I will use one of the sayings that my friend about a year into me starting the organization when I was like, this was a really dumb decision. I shouldn't have done this. (laughs) I had a really great job before I started this. And my friend, uh, Don, uh, sent me a note. Uh, it was like a card and on, she was really nice. She's a beautiful artist. And, um, on the, on the inside of it she said um, you're fiercely you're there's no one like you they you're just fiercely facing forward and so i was like i like the alliteration of fiercely facing forward and so i think about that all the time it was really really hard at the beginning not as hard as it's been for other people in social justice movement for, but for me it was just really really difficult people did not believe in the vision and the mission. Um, I think for 10 years ago or eight years ago or six years ago, I would tell myself, you know, and it took me a while to know this, but I would tell myself, just let people tell you no, it's gonna get better. Um, Because I had a lot of no's, I had a lot of no's, I had a lot of no's, I had a lot of, I don't believe in you's. I had a lot of, um, this doesn't make sense. And instead of now, I now I've seen people completely change and do a 180 in terms of like whether or not they believed in what I was doing or other people like incredible organizers that I look up to um, who have been doing this longer than I have, like the Erica Fords and people like that. Um, But I, you know, I would say that all the people on the front lines and the people who are survivors of gun violence will always be worth it always and I knew that from the beginning but I think I would reiterate that to myself and to anybody is like when you have a mission and when you have a goal if it's if you think it's worth it you've got to make sure that it's worth it and like continue to know that it's worth it so a Saturday morning you may want to be out with like the family or doing other things and a lot of times you should just go and do that if you want to (laughs) but um when I am thinking that there are other things I can be doing instead of the work that I do I think of um, the people who don't have the platform or don't have the same resources that I do and what an honor and privilege it is for me to get to work with them be led by them. And so the work will, will always continue. I'll do this. I'll do this till my last breath.
0: So, yeah, that is so inspiring. Well, thank you so much. Just grateful to talk to you. I just, I'm a little bit of like having a fan girl moment. <laughs> no.
7: Same <laughs> <Staying laughs> back to you. I'm so grateful for you and the work that you are doing. It is not easy to be a part of anything statewide. I can tell you being here in Texas, people fly over y'all and then they come down to us and then they fly over us and like don't <laughs> want to work with us either. And so I just know we are we are all, you know, siblings in this movement. And so thank grateful for all the work that you do.
2: Wow, can you put your hands together with me and give her a hand of applause? OMG, oh my goodness, so many takeaways there. And um, um, I wanted to share or touch on a couple of things she talked about and some of our other presenters as well, you know, spoke about the people closest to the issues or the most marginalized people, um, which are um, black and brown people for sure and other communities as well. You know, they need to be supported in being in the forefront of social justice. And so, um, I appreciate that from her and from the other presenters. Um, I heard her say something about there shouldn't be any division in the mission. And so, you know, one thing that I'd like to say and encourage um, those advocates that and activists that um, truly, truly are that that support Black women—they um, um, don't—they don't have that kind of sentiment in their heart or mind. They don't think of division, they think about supporting. And I wanna encourage those women that, and men and others that um, are in the social justice movement to continue to support black and brown women because we've been there. We know, listen to us, please. I'll even say please, I'm asking please, we have experienced Experiences to make sure that the movement um, accomplishes the goal. So um, again, just, just be there for us and be an ear and, and support us. Um, I, I can't say enough about each and every one of the phenomenal women that were presenters on today. I tell you, I was so taken back. I was moved to tears on pretty much everything that I've heard Um, I want to say or express and ask that you please visit everyone that has presented here. Their Facebook page should have a donation button, including ours. Please donate to the Lincoln Women's March Um, and to every presenter here, Voices of Hope and Planned Parenthood and, and every presenter here has a Facebook page with a donation button that you can take a part in and please donate. You know, I, I also want to touch on what Amber was speaking of um, in regarding to young people. And I just want to give a shout out I've had a very challenging week and I've had a lot of technical difficulties that some of you know about and some of you haven't seen, but take my word, I've had some technical difficulties. But um, when she was speaking about young people, and I'm so glad Melody uh, brought that into the interview. um, We have someone on our team who just won um, the Lincoln Lancaster County um, Uh, Democratic chair position, and that is our own Hannah, Hannah Robleski, and she does such amazing work. It should have never even been a contest, but yes, I said that. She does such amazing work, volunteers in every area possible to help anybody, any community, anywhere and I've known Hannah since she was in high school and that has been her MO and so I just want to give a shout out to her in accomplishing that goal. She is so deserving of it. She's such a hard worker and um, she's a young person and someone that I truly support and so we want to get behind our young people. I'm a seasoned lady I'm, not old. I'm a seasoned lady and I can get behind these young people. Um, I can share my experiences and give my, um, my opinion about different things. But ultimately, they have to go out and do what we've already done. So give them that space. Give them that space to, to do the things that they believe needs to happen regarding social justice. We wanna encourage everyone to vote. I don't care if you're Republican, independent, Democrat. We want you to vote. The Lincoln Women's March is about civic involvement and we want people to get out there and vote. So please don't forget to go out and um, donate to each person that was a presenter here on today to their donation uh, page. They have a button, so do we. Please donate. Um, Again, thank you all for joining us for this incredible, important conversation regarding violence against women and their families. Thank you to our partners, partner organizations, Nebraskans Against Gun Violence, ACLU Nebraska, Planned Parenthood, North Central States, Voices of Hope and Community Justice Action Fund. Please donate donate to these uh, organizations, and if you have any suggestions, hopefully next year we will be outside. It was my call. I know it's 60 degrees outside today, but I'd rather err on the side of safety, and that's just the nurse part in me as well, but next year we're aiming for outdoors, so get your signs ready Okay, thank you all so much for being a part of this year's Lincoln Women's March 2022. Thank you, bye.